Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, again, good morning to each of you and those that are watching online. We want to welcome you today. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you would, if you'd grab your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, last week when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we saw that, that we have liberty, but that liberty should be limited by our love for our weaker brother or sister. And so liberty is kind of the theme that Paul is talking about all the way into chapter, towards chapter 11. And as we turn this chapter from 8 to 9, Paul once again is going to talk about liberty. And he's going to show us very practically how he limited his own liberty. The Corinthians were saying, we're free. We're free to do whatever we want. And Paul says that he is free as well. We pick up 1 Corinthians 9.1. Am I not free? Paul says. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? Verse 2, if to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. And now Paul's going to start discussing the freedoms that he could enjoy. He says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So Paul is going to talk here uh, about working for a living, which I think is very, very appropriate on, on Labor Day weekend for us. So Paul, Paul was working there, planting the church in Corinth, but he also had another job. Uh, he, what was his other job? He was a tent maker, right? That's how he earned his living. And he did not receive an income from the church there in Corinth. And he's saying, I have every right to look to you, the church that I started, and ask you to support me and to, to take care of me. In fact, I have the right to have a wife and a family. And if that were the case, you would need to support them as well. And so Paul is talking about the right that churches have and the right that pastors have and the support that's needed from a church. And so I know this is kind of awkward. It seems like, well, the pastor's, you know, preaching about his own salary. I'm not asking for a raise. That's not what this is about. Uh, this is where we find ourselves. And we realize that, you know, some churches and pastors, they do this well. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I've seen now in 50 some years of church world, uh, some churches really not do all that well at supporting uh, ministers. Gr growing up, uh, I had my fair, fair chair of, uh, of government cheese uh, because we couldn't afford food. And so I've also seen some pastors who are really just, they're phonies and they're in it for the money. And so we've, we've all seen that. I've seen churches where their motto was, uh, we're going to keep him poor, God, you keep him humble. And then uh, you see pastors who are really just, really, they're just there for the money. 
In fact, there's this guy by the name of Ben Kirby, and he started a, an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. Anybody seen Preachers and Sneakers? Uh, Preachers and Sneakers, he takes these like screen grabs of, of pastors, these images, and shows the shoes that they're wearing or the outfits that they're wearing, and then he compares the brand of shoe and how much that shoe costs. And I was surprised to find that some of those shoes are between $3,000 and $5,000. I had no idea that sneakers would cost $3,000 one guy, the jack, one pastor, his jacket was $8,000. Are you kidding me? That's, that's, that blows my mind. But at the same time, I'm a little hurt that I've never been put on preachers and sneakers. <laughs> so Ben Kirby, uh, if you are out there, just to save you the time, uh, the kicks I'm wearing, uh, these come from Costco. Uh, I think I got them for about 25, maybe 30 bucks. There's, there they are. Uh, there, is, there is no way that I'd pay more than 25, 30 bucks. So anyway, uh, can we go back to these uh, interesting things? So the black part wears off and it's white under there. And so I have to hit it with a Sharpie. So between services, <laughs> I hit it with a Sharpie, all right? Oh, and also, like my ensemble today, uh, this is uh, Van Heusen. Uh I got the untuck it because I don't want to, you know, the dad bod. Don't make anybody stumble. That is what the Lord said. So there you go. So just because there's some weirdos out there that are kind of flying around in private jets and wearing $8,000 jackets, that, that doesn't mean that we are not supposed to take care of ministers. So, so Paul's making the point. And he has every right to ask the Corinthian church to support him. And he gives several reasons why. And one is, well, this is the usual custom. This is usually how it works. Verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So this is the way that it works. A man earns or works and produces, he earns a living and he can support himself. This is how the economy works. You, you produce something, you have a job, you make something, you get paid for producing that thing, you take what you made from producing, you go to somebody else who has produced something, you put food on the table so that you can eat, so that you go back out, so that you can produce some more. That's how economies work. That's how you keep the thing moving. Economies fall apart if everybody says, well, I'm not going to work. That becomes a problem. So the usual custom is we work, we produce, and as a result of working and producing, we earn a living. And then he says, not only is it the usual custom, it's part of God's law. He says this, verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen? that God is concerned. So this goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, where, where they would take, if they were going to separate the, the, the grain from the husk, they, they would take that seed and they would throw it on the ground and then they'd just get this big round stone and they placed on top of the grain. They would tie an ox or oxen equally yoked to that stone and they would walk in a circle and they would tread out that grain. And if you want to frustrate the ox, just put a muzzle over its mouth and have him work all day long. If the ox or oxen are, are lugging around that big rock all day long, it just makes sense to let him have a bite every now and then so that he can keep working. So that, that's what Paul says. This is the usual custom. It's God's law. Then he says this in verse 10. Does he not certainly speak for our own sake? 
It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So out of the labor uh, of the minister, there, there's going to come provision. He's saying there, there is a spiritual seed, there's activity that is being sown. And what I've, what I've noticed is that churches that are mature, that are healthy, they understand the importance of spiritual things. And when they understand the importance of spiritual things, they begin to put their heart and their money together and it begins to move in the proper direction. And it's not a problem. He says this, he goes on, verse 12. He says, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more. He's going to say, instead of, you know, demanding this right, demanding this income, he's going to endure everything. He says, nevertheless, we've not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So now this is bigger, right? This is bigger than not having a steak. This is better than not having a, a, a drink of wine. Paul is saying, we, we, forego, we forego our salary, because we don't want that to stand in the way of somebody hearing the good news of Jesus. We're willing to set that aside. Because Paul, as he comes into a community, as he comes into a city, he's starting a brand new work. No churches have been there. And so as he starts this church, rather than have money become some kind of stumbling block, he's like, I'm not going to receive any income here. Because there, there would be some people who would come along and they'd say, hey, the only reason this guy is sharing the gospel with you all is so that he can get a paycheck. So, you know, the, the smoke screen of all the church wants is money. Uh, why, why would you pay a minister? That whole smoke screen's been going on for a while. But when you come in as a brand new work, the people aren't mature in the Lord yet. They have no idea about generosity, sacrificial giving, first fruit giving. And so rather than let that be an obstacle to people, Paul's like, you know what? I'm just going to supply my own, own income. I'm going to keep working and making tents, and I'm not going to ask this church body for an income. Now, later, when Paul writes back to these churches, he reminds them and tells them, make sure that you're supporting your ministers. Verse 13, he goes on, he says, don't you know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. So, so if you ever bump into somebody who's like, what, you know, pastors are just greed. Why would you pay the pastor? The Lord has commanded this kind of thing. Then Paul, Paul here said, okay, this is how I've had this liberty. Here's how I've set this. Here's how I'm excluding this liberty out of love. Verse 15, but I've made no use of these rights. I could ask you for an income. I'm not asking you for an income, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. I'm not writing this letter to you now so that you'll send me any money, Paul is saying, for I would rather die then have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Now, this boasting, this boasting is not like bragging. This boasting is like rejoicing. He's rejoicing in the opportunity that he has to serve the Lord Jesus, no strings attached for a church body. But he says, I've set these rights aside, which reminds me that if you or I are continuing to, to push in on, on our rights and our liberties and demanding our own way, we're really missing the point of Christianity. Christianity isn't about us getting our way, demanding our rights. If Jesus did that, like, he never would have come to this earth. 
our own leader, our own Lord, if he had demanded his own rights, he never would have acquiesced and left heaven. That wasn't fair. It's not fair that the God of this universe die in my place. And yet setting aside his own rights, his own liberties, out of love, he moves in our direction and dies in our place. Paul is saying, I willingly set aside my rights and I don't want to get in the way of the gospel. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul's saying, I, I can't boast in the gospel. I can't boast in my own salvation. Paul didn't do anything for his salvation. Did Paul die on the cross? Did Paul shed his own blood? None of us can look at the gospel and say, look what I've done. Look what I have done on my own. No, this is what Christ has done. Paul's like, I didn't do this. I didn't come into a relationship with God. This isn't based on me. Paul's like, well, one day, you know, I'm just walking down the Damascus road doing my thing, and then I was blinded by the light of Jesus Christ, and the next thing I know, I'm in the ministry. He says this. He says, for if I do this of my own will, well, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with a stewardship. That seems a little bit confusing, but here's what I think he's saying. Somebody might come along and say, hey, Paul, man, you're to be rewarded because you're a minister, because you're sharing the gospel. And Paul would say, yeah, sure, if I did that willingly, but that wasn't my choice. I was on my way to murder Christians. I didn't save myself. I didn't even call myself into ministry. The Lord has done all of that. It's his choosing. Don't pat me on the back for doing what Christ has called me to do. Don't pat me on the back for being a servant of Jesus. He's saying, you don't exalt the man of God. You exalt God. You don't, don't exalt the preacher. Any preacher that comes along and he's like, uh, he's looking for pats on the back. Well, that's just foolish. So let me just remind you, don't, don't put me or any other minister on a pedestal. Don't. We'll fall off. You put Christ there. Christ is to be supreme. If you put me on a pedestal, I'm going to let you down. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say something that you don't agree with in the Bible. I'm not going to give you the attention that you feel you need or deserve from the pastor. I will fail you, but Jesus Christ will not. And so Paul is saying, you don't need to pat me on the back. I can't do anything but this. This is what the Lord has called me to so he says in verse 18, what then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He didn't have to preach free of charge, but this is Paul's special contribution. He has this ability to make tents, and he says, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to keep doing this thing, and I'm going to make sure that nothing stands in the way so that nobody can point at me and say, well, you're just doing this so that you can get three or $5,000 sneakers. No. Christ is primary. I'm not receiving anything. I just want you to know him. For though I am free from all, verse 19, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Now, he's not setting a standard here for every minister not to get paid. 
He's just saying this is the special call, his contribution, what God has called him to do. Later on, he would say in 1 Timothy chapter 5, let me read this. This won't be on the screen. He, he wrote to Timothy, he said, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox. We heard that before? Right? He loves this verse. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So the harder a minister works, the more effective he is at, at ministry, uh, he should be rewarded for that kind of diligence. That's, that's what Paul is explaining there. And now Paul begins to say, all right, I've set this liberty aside. I can ask you, Corinthians, to, to pay me. I'm not interested in receiving a paycheck then or now. And now he starts to talk about how much he began to invest his own life into sharing the gospel. And this is what he says, verse 20. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. Then he says, to those outside the law. So these are people who aren't Jewish. These are the Gentiles. He says, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak... I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, by all means, that I might save some. Now, Paul's not saying that he is the one who does the saving. It, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who does the saving. He just recognizes that he has this call from God to be a part of this process of sharing the good news so that people will hear the gospel and so that their, their, their eyes and their ears would be open to the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and they would step into that truth of that reality. And then he says, I do it all. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. This right here, this is what caused Paul to set aside his salary. This is what caused Paul to continue to, to work with his own hands and to stay in tent making is what caused him to get up early in the morning to work on tents and maybe work late at night getting those tents done and then during the day just ministering and caring for people. This is what caused Paul, sharing the gospel for the sake of the gospel is what caused him to set aside all the acclamation from others, all the accolades, all of his own ambitions and attaboys. This is what caused Paul to be willing to endure beatings and imprisonment imprisonment and mockery. He did it all for the good news of Jesus Christ so that others might be saved. It's like, that's my job. I am here to share the gospel with others. Later, Paul would tell the Corinthians, he would say, follow me as I follow Christ. He would say, I want you to walk as I'm walking. I want you to do what I'm doing. And so I start thinking, okay, man, Paul is an example for us. What would it take what would it take for us to begin to have the same kind of heartbeat that Paul would have? What, what would it take to be so sold out as the Apostle Paul? What would, what would cause us to sacrifice? What would cause us to sacrifice our rights? To stop demanding our own way? What would cause us to set aside our own finances? And I started thinking about Paul and his mindset. I started thinking, well, maybe we would just have to remember what Paul remembers, and that is that this life, it's not the main event. Like, what we got going on right now, this is not it. Like, this is not the, the culmination and end to our life. 
Our jobs are not the end point. Our family is not the end point. The final heartbeat that we have and the final breath in our lungs, it's not the end. Like what we got going on right now, this is the prologue. This is the prequel to the real life. This is the, the prequel to what is out in front of us, that this life, there's more of this life than this life. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live, it's Christ. Christ is my life. I'm not really so interested in my job or anything about my surroundings. I am interested in Christ because he is my life. And then he says, to die, well, that would be gain. To die would be wonderful. He's like, if I'm to live in the flesh, okay, that means full, fruitful labor for me. Yet, I don't know what to choose. Like, should I stay or should I go? He said, to depart, well, that'd be far better because I would be with Jesus. But if I stay here and I stay here in the flesh, well, that's more necessary for you because I can keep telling people about the good news. Paul was happy to check out and go to heaven because heaven is a whole lot better than the experience that we've got going on right now. But at the same time, he says, if I can stay, if I stay here, that means I can keep telling people about the good news. That they can know Jesus. I can remind others that there's more of this life than this life. There's more than wake up, shower, put your shoes on, punch the clock. There's a whole world waiting for us. And there is life and it comes from Jesus Christ. I think the second reason that Paul was just sold out for this and willing to love others and set aside his income and endure all that he endured is because he understood the gravity of what's going to happen on the other side for all of eternity, that there is a heaven and there is a hell. He knew the weight of what it means for there to be the existence of a hell, of being separated from God forever. Like if, I think if Paul were here and he were preaching today, And he knew that there was a single person in here who was still dead in their sins. He would do all that he could to get across to you the good news of Jesus Christ. That you don't have to stay where you're at. That you don't have to keep running from God. That you can stop, you can turn to him, and you can have life. Like what you've been longing for. I don't know how he could do it. Just the spirit of God in the moment to grab hold of your hearts and your mind and open your ears to the truth of what you have been longing for in your life. The weight of guilt and condemnation can be lifted. The addiction that you find yourself broken by Jesus Christ. Wholeness and life and meaning now. And that's not the end of it. You can know him forever. In heaven, he would do whatever he could. This is why he's setting aside income. This is why he's going to be beaten by others. This is why he would, he would face people just kind of mocking him, having people look at him like, you're just a weirdo. Yeah, I'm weird, but it's Christ. Christ given for you. Because he understood the truth. Every single one of us need Jesus. We've all sinned. And yet on the inside of us, I mean, we're tempted to think, no, no, I'm, I'm kind of good. I think there's a little bit of me, like if I could just get in front of God, he'd be like, oh yeah, you're kind of good. If you're thinking that, you don't understand who God is. He is holy. You don't understand what sin is. 
We enter into this world broken, sinful, moving in our own direction, not wanting to repent, not wanting a Savior, not wanting a God. We want to be God. Paul understood, man, if, if people could just understand the simple good news that Jesus Christ is God. He's, he's always existed. And he came into this world. He, he was human and God, unlike anybody else. And he lived a perfect life, obeying every law. You haven't obeyed every law. I haven't obeyed every law. Jesus did. He fulfilled the law, makes him the perfect sacrifice. He goes to a cross. He takes all of the sin of the world on himself. He's making the payment for you and for me. He takes all of that on, the wrath of God against sin, any sin. And we've all sinned. He was poured out, that wrath on Jesus, and he died in our place. He was put in the ground. He was put in a tomb. And he rose from the dead three days later, conquering death. He's ascended into heaven. He has sent his Holy Spirit so that at a moment in time, there might be this opportunity where you finally hear the good news and you receive it. No longer resisting the God who loves you and made you. Paul, Paul understood this. He, he recognizes that there is a payment for sin. Somebody's going to make the payment. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the good news is Jesus died in our place. And you can receive that. And you can say yes to him and you enter into new life. And that's what Paul was all about. That's, that's what we should be about not just like, you know, I'm going to just live this life for myself and do my job and, you know, have a loving family around me. No, this is the prologue to what yet awaits us. And we want every single person to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are people who push against Jesus, even today. And if they do that, they're going to be paying for their sin for eternity. Jesus made the payment. You don't have to pay for it. But unfortunately, there are people that I know and that I love who have passed from this life and they never made Jesus their Lord. And they're paying. There are people that you and I know, there's people that we love right now. There's people that I know that I love that I want them to know Jesus. The, pe the people that I pass by as I'm driving in my car who don't know the Lord. There are people at the restaurant that we go to who don't know the Lord. There are my neighbors. There's my, I was going to say my coworkers. Most of them are saved uh, here at the church. There's, right, our coworkers, the people that we work with. Like, it's not just this life. There's more to this life than this life. And they need to know. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. Paul wrote, for me to live, oh, that's Christ. My life, it is Christ. That is my hope. And how, how would you fill in that blank? How, how would you fill in? For me to live is, what would it be for you? I mean, honestly, sometimes we're, we, we'd like to say, because we're all in church, yeah, it's Christ, I'm living for Christ, but wouldn't we have to say, man, for me to live, well, that is my job. It's just my career. I'm living for my career. For me to live is money. Just a little bit more money. If I can get my bank account like to this level, oh, then that's life. For some of us in the room, for me to live is my family. I just give my life. I love my family and I'm here for family. 
For me to live is self. I'm just living for my own gratification. I'm not really living for Christ. Friends, we're going to be on the other side of this life a whole lot longer than we are right here. And it's so important that we understand this good news. And to understand the good news, you must know the bad news. And the bad news is we are separated from God. But the good news is this God loves you so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. This is what we're about. This is why we gather. This is why this building is here. It's why we've set aside some time. We've gathered once again on this Sunday, not to pat ourselves on the back or to feel good about ourselves, but to glorify Jesus Christ. It is our mission. It's why we gather. It's why for those of you that that serve in the children's ministry, you're not just handing out fishy crackers. You're not just telling stories. You're giving kids the best hour of their week. For those of you that are ministering to, to our youth group, you're not just leading a Bible study. You're not just like, you know, going to camps. You are a living example of what an authentic Christian looks like. For those of you that are giving financially to the church, you are involved in gospel proclamation right here in Newpal and literally around the world. And for those of you that you go to a workplace, you're not just collecting a paycheck there. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are a missionary. That is our job. That is why we are here. So that by all means and all ways, we might be able to save some. That's our job. Let's pray. Father, again this morning, we're thankful that you would look upon your creation with a heart of love and not be content to sit in heaven separated from us, but out of a deep love became one of us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, You were not content that sin would separate us, but you would make a payment for that sin so that we might have atonement, be made at one with you, redeemed, bought back, reclaimed for your glory. Father, I pray for anyone in this room or anyone who is watching who has not yet made Jesus Christ their life, that they would do so by saying yes, yes to your call to repent of sin to receive our Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would be Lord of our life, that you would lead us. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you that this life is not the end. You have eternal life waiting for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.